Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Promise Perspective podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Green, and I'm also the founder and owner of the Promise Perspective. I am glad that you're listening in today, and um, I just want to start off by saying thank you. I really do appreciate your support and honestly, just your willingness to go on this truth journey with me and as I talk about the things that I've learned over the last year and as I share them with you, I uh, I want to be clear that I still have a lot of learning to do too, okay? Um, I don't have this thing all figured out. I'm never going to have this thing all figured out. Um, and that goes for all of us. Um, but um, as I mentioned in the last episode, there's still like last episode was called unlearning. So there's a lot of unlearning that has to be done and then relearning that has to be done. So it's a process, but we're in this together and we're all just walking this faith out, hopefully with fear and trembling, like the Bible instructs us to. So with that being said, the topic of this episode is about the name of our Heavenly Father. And just to give you a heads up, The way that I'm going to break this down is going to be in three episodes, and that may or may not change depending on how I'm led as I prepare these. Um, Today's episode is going to focus on the biblical name of God. The next episode will focus on the biblical name of our Messiah, and the episode after that is, I'm kind of going to try to tie it all in with that one, and um, it's going to go into detail about some prophecy and significance of knowing his name and how this is so important to our understanding and I mean, really our salvation. Um, And I'm really looking forward to these episodes. And as we progress through the next three weeks, I truly believe, and I'm praying that you will open your heart so that Yahuwah's set apart spirit can show you the beauty and power behind his name, his name that he gave us, that he said who he is. Because I'm telling you all, if you allow yourself to study the things that I'll be sharing, it is going to blow your mind. The father's name is so complex and it is so beautiful and it is so intriguing. I mean, if you love the truth, you're going to love this. Um, it's not it, it's not an easy thing to unpack because there's a lot of lies that have to be let go in the process of learning his name. So that's what that's what we're here to do, though, right? We're here to learn the truth and we're here to let go of the lies. And um, the other thing that I want to preface before diving into this episode is, as some of you may have already seen on my social media The Promise Perspective is launching its first kingdom collection on July 25th. I'm so excited. This collection is going to include shirts, jewelry, home decor, accessories, um, so much more. And I cannot wait to share what I've been creating um, with you all. And my hope and prayer is that this will support my ministry so that I'm able to do this full time one day. Um, my passion and my vision of where my ministry is going has just radically changed over the last two years. And I feel that this will be 
the best way to support myself um, so that I can have more flexibility in my schedule to invest more of my time into writing and teaching, um, which that is where I know I'm being called to. I'm not being called to go into business. I'm called to go into ministry, um, but I have to have a way to support myself, right? So um, it costs money to to have all of these platforms and um, not just that, but you know, I, I don't have as much flexibility as I would like to because I do have a full-time job. So, and the part about my website launching that I'm most excited about is going to be, um, my section for Bible study resources that I've been working on creating. And, um, but I'm most excited about the eBooks. They're going to be free downloadable eBooks. Um, that are going to go along with my podcast episodes. And the reason I'm telling you this now is because on July 25th, when my website launches, I'm going to have two eBooks on my website for you to download. The first one is called dealing with deception. And the second one is called what is God's name? And what is God's name? It's, it's about a hundred page, a hundred, it's a hundred page book. And it's going to cover the things that I'll be talking about in way more detail than I can go into in a podcast episode. I think once you start reading and as I start talking about this, you're going to understand what I'm, what I mean, because this is a really hard topic to break down audibly. Um, so this ebook is going to go into detail with the illustrations and pictures and sources and links so that you can kind of go see for yourself and learn for yourself. And that way you can better grasp what the points that I'm trying to make and and what I'm trying to explain. And like I said, it's totally 100% free. All that you'll have to do is click on the product and add it to your cart, check out with your email, and it'll send you an instant downloadable PDF file. And you can save it or print it out. Um, Because the thing is, is that the, the reason that this is so important to me, and this is why I've had to spend some time building up to what I want to talk about is because his name is not just a name. Um, his name is not just a name. Like my name, Stephanie is a name. It's so much more than that. And there's a lot of ground to cover as we go into detail about like the ancient Hebrew language, the modern Hebrew language, because that even the Hebrew language was modernized, why it was removed, how it was removed, and what his name really is. And I can't recommend enough that you download this book as soon as it's available so, so that you can study God's name for yourself, because I'll list all my sources, all my receipts, all the scripture, so that you can go do the research yourself. Um, and this is to help you in your studies. And I I pray, I really encourage you all to download it. Take, take it and use it to your advantage. Um, you know, this, the spiritual warfare and torment that I I have gone through coming into this knowledge. It lets me know that the enemy does not want you to know this. He does not want you to know his father's name or his son's name. He doesn't want, um, He doesn't want you to know it and he definitely doesn't want you to call on it like we're instructed to, but you know, the father's will will be done 
And it is prophesied that his name will be restored in the latter days. So the fact that, just think about this, the fact that you're listening to this and are willing to learn more and study more, y'all, like this should let us know exactly what time it is. I'm not the only one talking about this. We, this phrase is a serious flag to signal to us what time it really is. If this is something that's going to be restored in the latter days and it is, it is beginning to be restored now, who we got to wake up. And for the purposes of this podcast episode, I'm going to use the word God and Yahuwah interchangeably because I just want to solidify some, some teaching points. So anyway, let's get started. Um, I'm kind of using this ebook to really guide this podcast episode because I can't, I can't just read the whole thing. I wish I could, but that's, that's not the point I want to get across today. I want you all to read it for yourself, but let me, let me start off by saying this, that language is important. Um, in the Hebrew language, every word has meaning behind it. Um, this is why Hebrew is referred to as Lashon HaKadosh. It means holy tongue, and it is the most pure language in the world. This is the language that was given to Noah and his three sons. This is the language that Moses spoke. And actually, let me, so let me backtrack a little bit. As some of you already know this, Noah had three sons, okay? He had Shem, which is his eldest son, Ham, and Yepheth. Shem, he had sons and his great grandson's name was, and I, I'm, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly in Hebrew, but, um, you'll get the gist of it. But his, uh, Shem's great grandson's name was Eber. E it's spelled in scripture, E-B-E-R. And Shem, he's the, he's the originator of the Hebrew bloodline in which that's where Abraham was born. And the significance about his son, Eber, is that this is where we get the word Hebrew from. So actually, the original word for Hebrew was Eberith. And in the beginning, the earth was of one language, the Hebrew language. That's Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. And whenever man was spoken to from the Most High, it was in the Hebrew tongue. Okay, and that can be verified in Acts chapter 26, verse 14. And when the languages were confounded at Babel, the language of Shem, Noah's eldest son, that language wasn't changed because he was not among the rebellious followers of Nimrod. Um, There was still a pure language, but the language was confused. People ended up spreading and they carried their own language and tongue to other parts of the world. The Hebrew tongue remains a pure language, though. And I'm not going to get into detail over the languages um, and how the language became influenced by other tongues, which resulted in our modern day Bible translations, because it's that that's what I was saying earlier. It's way too complicated to get into via audio. Um, there's things that you have to see with your own eyes for, for that to make sense. So, and there are like illustrations and pictures that need to you need to visibly see in order to learn. But my ebook on what is God's name is going to go over this in a lot of detail. 
Um, that's like the very first thing that's going to be talked about in that book. But long story short, the ancient Hebrew language, in which was the original language of the Old Testament, minus like two books, Daniel and there was another book, I think, I Daniel and something, I can't remember the other one. Um, but minus one or two books, the Old Testament was written in what is called Paleo-Hebrew, or other words, Ancient Hebrew. And there's evidence that the Dead Sea Scrolls were actually written in the Paleo-Hebrew language. So after the Babylonian captivity around 587 BC, the Hebrew language started to become modernized into what is called a square script. So in other words, Aramaic. And this became, excuse you, and this became the modern Hebrew language that's used today. And if you put, so if you, but if you put Paleo-Hebrew, the original Hebrew and modern, the modern Hebrew alphabet side by side, you can see clearly that they look nothing alike. Um, just do a quick Google search, look up Paleo-Hebrew, and then look up Modern Hebrew, and you can just compare and contrast. And if you if you read in Exodus chapter 31, verse 18, you'll see that the, the two tablets of stone that the Ten Commandments were written on, it was in Paleo-Hebrew. That was the language that was spoken during that time, and it was we know that that was the language because it says that the very finger of God is what inscribed the commandments on the first set of tablets before Moses came down and saw Aaron and everybody worshiping the golden calf and, you know, smash the tablets to pieces. But my ebook on this topic will go into a lot of detail on, on some history of the Babylonian captivity, because if we are going to understand context, we need to know about the history of the people in which our faith is derived from. I think anybody would agree with me on that. So, and I'm not trying to skip over anything, but there's a reason why this book is a hundred pages, um, single spaced too. Um, so, so I'll go into more detail in, in my ebook, but it's important to know that the Northern kingdom of Israel and the Southern kingdom of Judah at the time of the Babylonian exile, it was a time of heavy judgment for the people the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel are the best books to read if you want to understand what was going on before, during, and after that time. What led up to it, what happened during it, and then kind of some aftermath. So, Yahuwah handed them over to captivity because they were stiff-necked and hard-hearted. One of the indictments against them was that they had profaned his holy name. One of the commandments that's given to us, one of the Ten Commandments, is to not take his name in vain. And it was a serious offense. It, it still is to this day. He he doesn't change. He hasn't changed. He won't change. And during the 70 years of the time that the, um, the Hebrew people were in the Babylonian captivity, although the Jews were able to practice their religion, they were mocked by their captors. If you've read Jeremiah or Ezekiel, you know that it was Yahuwah who handed them over to captivity. They, he, he warned him that that was going to happen. He did that through his prophets. 
they were warned to repent and to turn to pure worship, to, to return to him multiple times. So the captivity was not only prophesied and warned about, but it was a result of the punishment of their disobedience. So, however, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, everybody knew about him. Everybody knew about Yahuwah um, because of the mighty acts of defeat that Israel had over their enemies. Um, I mean, if you read the Old Testament, you can see through Exodus and Joshua. And it's, I mean, everybody knew about their God. Um, so the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he carried a powerful and renowned reputation. The, um, the Jews, uh, and I, I'm, the Jews are called Yahudim and I'm going to get, I'm going to touch on that in just a second. So the Jews, in other words, the Yahudim, they were utterly humiliated. Okay. That they were carried away. They were exiled and the holy temple was destroyed. So you can only imagine the mockery of those around them. They, they did not heed the prophetic warning that was given to them. And they thought, I mean, you can imagine they thought because of their reputation, their Elohim, their God would never destroy his own temple. That was his sanctuary. Um, Yet they refused to repent. He told them they were going to do it. He didn't, they didn't believe that God was going to do that. And um, like I said, the other nations knew God's name. They knew his name was Yahuwah. But since they themselves did not serve Yahuwah, they didn't have a problem mocking and blaspheming his name. So the Yahudim, the Jews, they heard the name of Yahuwah being irreverently used on foreign lips. So they made it a policy while they were in Babylonian captivity, they made it a policy to never utter the name out loud. Um, uttering Yahuwah's name became an offense punishable by stoning. And that's still in the, is it the Babylonian Talmud today? It's one of their doctrines of Judaism. Um, and even though the Yahudim, the Jews, were allowed to return to their land, eventually, they carried their new religion and their traditions and language with them. And this became a part of their culture and customs for many years, even today. So FYI, I want to go over a couple of words because this ties into the name. So um, the Hebrew word for Hebrew is, um, and you can find this in Strong's Dictionary, um, 3066, is called Yehudith. Um, the Hebrew word for Judah, which is in Strong's Dictionary 3063, Judah is called, um, in Hebrew, it's Yehuda. Um, the Hebrew word for Jew, because long story short, there is no J or E or W in the original Hebrew language. So they weren't, they didn't call themselves Jewish at that time. They referred to themselves as Yahudim. So Yahudi is Hebrew word for Jew singular. Um, and Yahudim is plural for Jews. And another important thing to understand too, is like, when you talk about the, when you, when you use the word Jew, what your, that word comes from, it's a, it's, it's derived from just one of the 12 tribes. Judah is one of the 12 tribes. Um, 
So a Yahudi is a descendant from the tribe of Yahuda, which is Judah. And many people who claim to be Jews today are not Jews by bloodline or ancestry, but they're Jewish by conversion to Judaism. And this has played a role in a lot of confusion of who Yahuwah's true Hebrew people are. And this is not the place to discuss this, but I just want to make that point known that this is why terminology and understanding the original words and meanings are so incredibly important. Because when we talk about Yahudim in scripture, it's talking about those descendants from the tribe of Judah. So also, side note, if you if you caught the pattern as I was explaining this, did you see how the Hebrew word for Judah is Yahuda, and the Hebrew word for Jew is Yahudim? Like, just keep that in mind when you think about our father's name, Yahuwah, um, because that's a big part of how his name is totally immersed in so much of the original Hebrew terminology that has just, you know, really been, I don't want to say lost because it's really not lost, but it's just not been talked about. So anyway, let's um, fast forward through a lot of history. Uh, Let's fast forward to like between the 6th to 10th century of common era, era, um, which is like AD. So 6th to 10th century AD. So between, between the time of the Babylonian captivity and this time, 6th century to 10th century, the Medo-Persians conquered Babylon, the Greeks conquered the Persians, and Rome conquered the Greeks. So that's just one sentence to sum up a period of about a thousand years. And during this time is also when this doctrine was created called the Ineffable Name Doctrine. So I have to skip over a lot of history here because the goal of this episode isn't to go over every single detail of how his name got changed. Those details are going to be in my ebook, and it's necessary for people to understand what has happened throughout history. We need to understand this stuff, you guys. This is stuff that needs to be researched and it needs to be studied because it will help solidify your understanding of why it's not, it's truly not acceptable to, to call on the title of God and Lord. Um, and you need a full perspective of you know, who, what, when, where, why. And I can't cover all that in an, one episode. Um, I can't even cover it all in the next, the three episodes that I'm planning on doing this in. But um, just so you know, every time you see the word Lord with one, with the capital L or L-O-R-D, all caps in your Bible, it is a substitution of the tetragrammaton or tetragram. Y-H-W-H. So we're also like having to go through, there's been a lot of language changes since the Hebrew language and then the translations from Greek and then Latin and then German and Old English and now our modern English. There's been a lot of changes that have happened. And the practice of substituting Y-H-W-H for L-O-R-D began with the Jews, the Yahudim, who did not want to mispronounce the name of Yahuwah out of reverence, and they didn't want to violate the third commandment that says you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That's not what it truly says, but it should say you shall not take the name of Yahuwah your Elohim 
in vain. That's Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. So in other words, they decided that they decided upon themselves that not taking his name in vain was simply changing the vowels to make it read something different or just not saying it at all. So people often say that God's name is Adonai or Jehovah, but what they don't understand is that those names, quote unquote names, those are, it's actually a result of a system of vowel pointing called Nikud done by the Masorites that happened within the 6th to 10th century AD to keep people from saying and calling on Yahuwah. He has a lot of titles, but he only has one name. This is it's the only name given to us by our creator. So I don't have time to get into all that too, but the vowel pointing is what created the name, the quote unquote name, Adonai and Jehovah. Those words were never given to us by our creator. Um, if you do a topical search on Google on what the tetragram or tetragrammaton is, you will find very easily from multiple sources that it is, it's the, and I quote, the unpronounceable four-letter name of God, usually given to you as YHWH. And, and people claim that the pronunciation of his name was lost. You'll hear that a lot. And many, many people will say, we don't we don't really know how to pronounce it. But it, it was never lost. Um, that's a lie. And it's, it's out of a lack of knowledge that people say that. And the father's name was given to us his name was given to us almost 7,000 times in the Bible. And you can't convince me that our creator who gave us his name thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of times and commands us to call on his name. That doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't make any sense at all. He wants us to know his name. He wouldn't have made it a commandment to not take it in vain if he didn't want us to know his name. Right. Um, and it wasn't until I started researching more about his name and how and why it was changed that I actually began to develop a deep fascination and an appreciation for just how intentionally and intricately and beautifully Yahuwah's name is woven into the Hebrew text of scripture. It's one, it's one of the most beautiful truths we could ever come to understand And knowing his name and calling on his name has allowed me personally to understand scripture in ways that I was never able to before. His name truly is the key that it unlocks so much understanding, you guys. And many of us. So let me just give you an example. The the word hallelujah. We have it in our songs. It's in our Bibles. We say it quite frequently in the context of being thankful and you can find the word hallelujah or the instructions to praise his name in Psalm chapter 113 verse 1, Psalm chapter 18 verse 3, Psalm chapter 149 verse 3, and in every verse of Psalms 150, the chapter, um, the whole chapter. So, the primary Hebrew root word for praise is halal, which is also the root word for hallelujah. So halal is to praise or boast. And 
Yah is the shortened version of Yahuwah, which as I mentioned last time, it's, um, it's a verse that, or I'm sorry, it's a word that is mentioned 49 times in scripture as the shortened form of Yahuwah. So, and the J wasn't even part of the English alphabet until the 1500s. So they never used the word J. It was originally had a yah sound. So when we say the word hallelujah, we're actually, what we're actually saying is praise ye yah. Hallelujah. Praise yah. But we would we wouldn't know or understand this if we never knew that his name was Yahuwah to begin with. So that just that's one example of like a deeper appreciation I've gained. And now I say it all the time. I'm like, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise you, Yah. I mean, think about that. Think about that. Oh, it's so cool. And then many names of the people in scripture. And authors of the books and prophets, they had Yah's name included in their own name. And you'll see how Elohim is also interwoven in some of the names as well. And Elohim, it's also pronounced Allahim, um, because like I said, there wasn't an E in the original Hebrew language. It just means mighty one. So when it says Yahuwah is our Elohim, it's saying Yahuwah is our mighty one. So like El Shaddai, it's the shortened version of Elohim, and it means Almighty One, okay? The book of Samuel, Shemuel, which means the name of El, Elohim. You have uh, Nehemiah. His, the actual name, Hebrew name of Nehemiah is, and I might get these pronunciations totally butchered, but you're going to get the gist of it. It's Nekim Yahu, which means consoled by Yahuwah. The book of Isaiah is his name is Yeshayahu, which means Yahuwah saves. Book of Jeremiah, Yermiyahu, which means uh, Yahuwah raises up or Yahuwah launches forth. And then you have Ezekiel, which is Yekez. <laughs> I don't know if I can say it right, but Yekezikel. It's a Y-E-K-H-E-Z-Q-E-L, which means L will strengthen. You have Obadiah, Obadiah which is Ovid-Yahu, servant of Yahuwah. Zephaniah, which is Sephaniyahu, Yah has treasured. Zechariah, which is Zechariyahu, Yahuwah remembers. You have the Gospel of Matthew, which is Matthew-Yahu, which means gift of Yahuwah. John, Gospel of John, Yahukanon, which means Yahuwah is grace. The nation of Israel, which is Yisrael, and that's the name that Yahuwah changed Jacob's name to. He's the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. And what's what's so beautiful about the name Israel, Israel, is it means he who wrestles with Elohim. Oh, goodness. The prophet Elijah, Eliyahu, Yahuwah is Elohim. And then we have, you know, people say like Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, 
Jehovah Shalom. It was never Jehovah. Jehovah is an erroneous, created, man-made. You can call it a name if you want to, but it isn't the name that our creator gave himself. But the original word for that was Yahuwah. Yahuwah Yaira. Yahuwah will provide. Yahuwah Rapha. It's Rofeka. Yahuwah heals. Yahuwah Nisi. Yahuwah is my banner. Yahuwah Shalom means Yahuwah is peace. And then Yahuwah Shema means Yahuwah is there. I mean, it wasn't until I started seeing that stuff, like, you can't deny. Like, it's just, these are things you cannot deny. His name was in the a, a good amount of the names of people who wrote his word. And I even, I hadn't even got to the good one yet. Yahusha, which means Yahuwah is our deliverer. That's our Messiah's name. And that's what makes Yahusha, our Messiah's name, so much more meaningful than Jesus. Because, and I'm going to get into all that next time, but our Messiah's name. He said, I came in my father's name. He was literally not joking. (laughs) I came in my father's name. Okay, so what does a name mean? And this is like, listen, y'all, I'm not fluent in Hebrew at all. Um, I'm not even, I'm not even really being led to study Hebrew to be fluent in it. But I know enough about the words and I've studied enough about the, like the dictionary to know what these words meant to be a little bit dangerous, I feel like. So I don't know that. I'm not fluent in Hebrew, but as I've been studying, I'm trying to understand what these words mean. Like, because what I've found is that a lot of the words that we have in our English vocabulary doesn't even mean what it, what the Hebrew word originally meant. And that's, that's a big issue for me because the the word has changed and the meaning has changed, which means probably my understanding has changed too. So what does a name mean okay because this is what else is crazy even the word name in hebrew has meaning to it like that's what i'm saying the hebrew language is a it's a beautiful language and there's so much to understand behind every single word that just shows us how how just intentional our father is and his ways truly are higher than our ways and his, his thoughts are truly higher than ours. But as you study him more and grow in intimacy with him more and you get, and these things become revealed to you as you study, he, he gives you more understanding about who he is. It's like, okay, so check this out. This is also in my ebook. Uh, cause it, like I'm saying guys, it's just so much to get through, but There's two words that I want to discuss when it comes to just the word name, okay? There's two words I want to discuss, and those two words are deeply related. And the words in English are name and breath. So I'm going to talk about each one individually, and then I'm going to explain them together. So the Hebrew word for name is Shem, Strong's um, Dictionary. 8034. I encourage y'all to get a Strong's Dictionary. You're going to need it. Um, And it's very, very helpful. Um, Or you can go to Blue Letter Bible 
.com or .org and you can type in the translations and you have to either put an H in front of it for Hebrew or a G for Greek because our Old Testament is given to us in Hebrew um, originally and the New Testament in Greek. Um, but anyway, by definition, the word Shem, which means name, it indicates a person's given name, but it also implies it as a mark or a memorial of individuality. So by implication, it means honor, authority, and character. That's what Shem means. And that's where we get the word name. So Genesis chapter 12, verse two says, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name Shem great and you shall be a blessing. Um, he's talking about the nation of Israel. Um, and then the Hebrew word for breath is Neshema, which is Strong's Dictionary 5397. And Neshema is used to describe one's breath, spirit, either spirit of man or Elohim, God. Um, it's used to describe a puff of wind or one's soul. And quick FYI, modern English definition defines a person's soul as being an immortal part of humans that is separated from the separated from the body at death. But that's not how the Bible, the original Hebrew describes it at all. A soul by biblical definition, by Hebrew definition is one who has breath. It's your physical breathing body. That's, that's a soul. And the cool part is in how Neshema came to be formed. So the Hebrew word Neshema is derived from the word Shem, which I think Shem is actually pronounced shame. Um, cause the, e, it's like an A sound. Is there, yeah. Um, so Neshema is derived from the word Shem. All Hebrew names were given to people and places based on their character. So you have different places in Bible that were given names for a significant purpose. So um, whenever one heard the word breath, Neshema, it was known that it figuratively meant a person's or one's character. So, and you can see, you can see, and this is why I put this in my ebook too, because you, it's easier to see this than hear it. But the word Shem, name, can be found in the word Neshema, which means breath. Okay. This word is used in Genesis chapter two, verse seven, and it means breath. So it says, and Yahuwah Elohim formed the man of dust from the ground and he blew in his nostrils the breath of life, the neshema of life. And the man became a living soul. And the Western mind, our Western mind, we're inclined to believe that a breath is just an exchange of air in the lungs, right? That's what I think about when I think of a breath. But I'm telling you all, the Hebrew mind understood breath entirely different. And we can use Job chapter 32, verse 8 as an example. It says, but there is a spirit in man and the breath, neshema, of the Almighty gives them understanding. The breath 
of the Almighty gives them understanding. Okay? The word breath is also used in terms of how this world and the wicked will be destroyed. So let's look at um, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 4. It says, But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath and the shema of his lips shall he slay the wicked. So what I'm saying is that the name is in his breath. His name quite literally is his breath and his character. Breath is derived from the name meaning that the two are intimately woven together. So part of knowing Yahuwah is not just knowing what his name is, but it's knowing his character and his nature. It's about calling on his name. It's, it's the name, his name, Neshema, that breathed life into creation. That's his, it's his spirit. So in these verses, Yahuwah's breath can, it can give life. Okay. We just read the, um, Genesis chapter two, verse seven, it can give life. His breath can give life. It can teach Job chapter 32, verse eight and Isaiah 11, uh, chapter 11, verse four, his breath can also destroy. So when we talk about the Holy spirit, holy means set apart. We need to look up what this word means. The Hebrew word for Holy Spirit is Ruach HaKodesh, and it means the set-apart spirit. Kodesh means holy or set-apart. Ruach means spirit. And if you look up the definition of Ruach in Hebrew, you will find that it also means breath, wind, or spirit. And it says in Genesis chapter one, verse two, and the spirit, the Ruach of Elohim moved upon the face of the waters. I mean, Yahuwah's breath has the ability to create life. His breath is what sustains us. He lives inside of us. And that's why it's saying it can, his breath, his, his, um, Neshema, his, his, his set apart spirit, which means the same thing as breath. It can, it can carry thought and emotions through the indwelling of this set apart spirit. The breath of Yahuwah is not an exchange of air by any means, but when you understand its definition in its entirety, you can see that it's his spirit, his breath his character. It's, it, it's him. That is the power behind all creation, all teaching and all destruction. The name means everything to our, our understanding of his character. How can we say that we know him if we don't even call on his name? When we don't even seek to understand the great and incomprehensible things that he tells us that if we call on him, he will come near and tell us and teach us things that we do not know. His spirit and his breath are synonymous. I just, I hope I'm making that point clear. And I hope that there's some, that the gears are turning to help you see that 
his breath is in his spirit. That is what lives in us. That is his, the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's just so powerful. I feel like there's something else I need to add to that, but I just can't, the words aren't coming to me right now, but I just want you all to think about that. Just, just think about it. And I don't have time to get into it here, but the pagan origins of where the word God and Lord come from, that should really be the nail in the coffin for why we shouldn't be calling on those titles. And I'll, I go into all that detail in my ebook and I hope, and I pray that you download it and, and check that part out too. But first Corinthians chapter eight, verse five tells us that there are many gods and many Lords. And what is interesting to me, and is something that we should all pause and reflect on is that every single God of every pagan religion has a name except Christianity. And no, Jesus is not the name of our heavenly father. He said he came in his father's name. That verse right there, you know, ends that argument right there. And you just go to any religious group that doesn't claim a Christian denomination and ask them what the name of the God they worship is. And they'll tell you many religions are polytheistic. So you might get more than one answer, but nevertheless, they all have a name. And they also use the word Lord when they refer to their deities and God. So in Islam, it's Allah. In Hindu, it's Ishvara. In Greece, it was Zeus and many, many others, goodness gracious. And even in Wiccan, they refer to their God as Lord and their goddess as lady. The Canaanite God that you read about in the Bible constantly was called Baal. And by definition, if you look it up, look up the Hebrew definition, it means Lord or master. And even Satanists will tell you the God they worship is Satan or Lucifer. Like the God of this world even has a name. Scripture tells us that Satan is the God of this world. The God of this world has a name. And I'm supposed to believe that the almighty creator of this world and the world to come uses a generic title that every other religion uses. I'm supposed to believe that my God's name is God. That makes absolutely no logical sense. No logical sense. Every single God in this world has a name except the God of the true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. My God's name is not God. And, and you know, I know my father well enough that he's not going to share his name with anybody else. So any all these other religions that call on their God and their Lord, He says, my, in Isaiah chapter 42, verse eight, he says, I am Yahuwah. That is my name. He said, I will not give my glory to another, neither my praise to graven images. That verse has stuck with me. That was like a, that verse cut on me so deep when I, when I got a correct translation of the scriptures. Well, I'm not going to say like correct, but you need to get a restored Bible that has the names in it. Um, So 
I don't know. I don't think I've really talked about this in my podcast. I've talked about it on social media, but I have three different versions that I use. Um, one of them is the Sefer Bible, which it's spelled C-E-P-H-E-R dot net. That's probably the one I'd recommend the most. It's just really, really expensive. Um, the other one I've got is, um, it's called, hang on. It's called this. I was looking at where it was from. It's called the scriptures and it's from the Institute of scripture, scriptural research. Um, and you can get it off Amazon. I think it's like $25. And then I also have another Bible from, it's called Yahweh's restoration ministry. And just so you know, um, there are people that refer to our heavenly father as Yahweh. It's like the, the difference in pronunciation is just based on one vowel, but we're using the same letters, the same script to derive the pronunciation from. It's too much to get into right now. But anyway, I really like that Bible too, because it is a King James version translation, but at the same time, every single word in that Bible has the Strong's number right there alongside of it. So you can, it has a built-in Strong's dictionary. Um, it's been really helpful to to understand the Hebrew words and definitions. So why Yahweh's Restoration Ministry is YRM.org if you want to check it out there. So I recommend any of those, um, just anyone that, that has the names restored because it, you can't read the, it's not going to make sense if you don't have the restored names. It helps to connect a lot of dots. So anyway, um, Exodus chapter 33, 19 says, I will proclaim the name of Yahuwah. And the word proclaim comes from the Hebrew word kara meaning to call out or address properly by name. So in the times that we read about in scripture, knowing and calling someone by their name expressed a close and intimate relationship. That's what, that's where the word proclaim or kara comes from. This is why all nations, including the pagan ones, address their God by name. No other nation referred to their supreme deity as God, as, as their actual name. That was way too impersonal. That's why when Yahuwah spoke those words in Exodus thirty-three nineteen, I will proclaim the name of Yahuwah. When you understand the context behind the root meaning of that Hebrew word, it helps us to understand that proclaiming his name would indicate that he was near. It indicates intimacy and closeness. I'm telling y'all, the Hebrew language is so, sorry, my dog. <laughs> the Hebrew language is so pure and so beautiful. And then, you know, there's a couple verses, Isaiah chapter 52, verse six, that I just want to touch on for just a second. But, um, Isaiah 52 verse six says, therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore they shall know in that day that I am, that I am he that speaks behold, it is I. And then it says in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 27, it says the prophets, um, cause my people to forget my name 
by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor, as their fathers have forgotten my name for Baal. And when you when you understand what Baal means, it means Lord. So when I just think it that's not a coincidence that the same Hebrew word that meant Lord, which which in Hebrew it meant Adon, but it means Lord today. It's funny how you know Yahuwah probably knew that that word was going to be transferred or that his name was going to be mistranslated. And totally replaced with the word Lord because there's no coincidences with him. So in other words, you can read that verse as their fathers have forgotten my name for Lord because Baal means Lord. I mean, we just, it's it's important in these times that, that we know who we're calling on, you know, um, this, I mean, This is, it was Satan's scheme that manipulated and deceived the whole world by deceptively removing the name of our heavenly father so that we would ignorantly never call on him. It is the greatest cover up, I believe, in all of human history. And our father has a name. And like I said, if his name was not important, he wouldn't have made it part of his commandments and think about it, his commandments, the 10 commandments, the first four of them are commandments on how he expects to be worshiped. He commanded his people to not cause his name to be used in vain. I used to believe that misusing his, the father's name meant to like, not say it as a cuss word. I used to, I used to meant, I I used to think that it meant not to say like, oh my God, or GD, or saying Jesus Christ as curse words. But um, if you examine the Hebrew word for vain, the word vain is, it's e- either pronounced shah or shav. And it, it means worthlessness, nothingness, meaningless, or to make a falsehood. To take something in vain means to make it meaningless or bring it to nothingness. I mean, think about this. How much more meaningless can a name get if we don't even use it at all? How much more meaningless can a name get if we actually don't use it at all and then replace it for a generic title? I mean, and we're taking his name in vain. This is what has, this is, you know, when I talk about the spiritual warfare and the brokenness that I went through coming into this knowledge, this, this, this convicted me on a a very deep level. It absolutely crushed me to learn that my whole entire life I've called, oh, like it makes me want to throw up every time. Every time I have called out to my father, who, by his grace, like, this is why grace is so good, because he, I didn't know. I didn't know this stuff. Chances are you don't know, you didn't know this stuff either. But, like, it, I'm serious. It, like, it breaks my heart, because 
I have been making his his I've been taking his name in vain and making it meaningless my whole life. And he has loved me enough to extend his grace to me and still draw near to me through my ignorance. <sighs> That's what and, and 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 you know like I can't judge anybody for for what they do but I will say this, and I say this out of love. It becomes very dangerous when, when the truth is revealed to you and you don't act upon the, this new knowledge. I'm not even asking you to believe what I'm saying, but the truth has been revealed to you. This episode has revealed the Father's name. Um. He doesn't blame you for your ignorance. He doesn't. It's just a lack of knowledge. He knows and he's warned us that we dwell in a world of deception. But then he continues on in that same context. Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, Yet in their deceit they refuse to know me. This deception is being revealed in this season. The truth is going is getting out there. And I'm just asking you, I'm begging you because I'm not proud, I'm not too proud to beg, but please don't reject something just because it goes against what you've been taught your entire life, or simply because it challenges your beliefs. Learning about Yahweh's name was a complete and devastating shock to me. It took a couple of months of wrestling with this before I could even accept it. Because let me be honest with you, I didn't accept this at first. I didn't. And I have had to repent from that. Because me saying that I didn't accept this was me saying that I didn't, that I hated him. Seriously. Our father is not one to mess with. Um, Psalms chapter 44, 44, verse 20 through 21 says, If we had forgotten the name of our Elohim or stretched out our hands to a foreign Elohim, would not Yahuwah search this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. So basically he's saying, I mean, this verse applies to us so much. It says, if we have, we forgot the name, Said my fathers have forgotten my name for Baal. The fathers, our our ancestors have forgotten the name, and this has been something that has been perpetuated throughout modern Christianity for the last two thousand years. He doesn't blame you for your ignorance. He doesn't. He didn't blame me for my ignorance. But the thing is, is that when when the truth is revealed to you, and we don't act upon this new revelation of knowledge, that exposes the condition of our hearts. Yes, he knows our hearts. He he knows us better than we know ourselves. But we can't reject the truth. If we are to worship him in spirit and in truth, this is what worshiping in truth means. So once his name is revealed to you, you can't go back and say, well, he knows my heart. He knows I'm calling, He know, even though I say God or Lord, he knows I'm talking to him. My brother and my sister, 
He has commandments for the way he expects to be worshipped. And if we love him, that's what that this all goes back to love. If you love him, if you really love him, you will honor him in the way he tells us that he wants to be honored because he's our father. He's our creator. He is our all he is our El should die, our almighty one. I understand the process of coming into truth. I wouldn't be able to talk about it now if I hadn't just came out of the greatest unveiling of truth I've ever received in my life. And this is just the beginning. Um, It's about learning just as much as it's about unlearning. And I'm here for you if you need anything. Because my plea, the plea of my heart is for you to be reconciled to Yahuwah. Because his grace is extending to all of us right now in this season. His name is where we have to start because removing it has done so much damage to our understanding of scripture and truth. And the pens of the scribes have irreverently mishandled the scriptures. And we are in the very beginning of the greatest restoration of all time. And at the same time, we are in the beginning of the greatest separation of all time. The final harvest is almost here, and he is starting to separate the wheat from the tares. Because this truth right here, his name is going to get out out there. His name is going to be made known. His name is going to be proclaimed through his children. And this kind of gospel is what's going to be spread to the ends of the earth. And then the end's going to come. He's calling us to return to him, to worship him in spirit and in truth. And that's why I've mentioned it before. I'm going to keep mentioning it because it's a really important verse. But 2 Thessalonians talks about those who are sent the strong delusion or those who refuse to love the truth. And I don't want, I don't want people to be deceived. And Yahuwah loves you so much. He loves us all so much. And I just... I feel his grief every single day. My heart aches constantly for people because the ones who are supposed to teach us this, the the ones that are supposed to have been called to, you know, pastoral levels of ministry or apostolic ministry are either knowingly or ignorantly leaving people in spiritual captivity and bondage. And I don't say this from a place of hate or judgment or condemnation. I say this out of love and just complete brokenness. The sheep are not getting fed. My brothers and my sisters are literally starving and malnourished. And they have this unsettledness and heaviness and pain in their hearts. And they don't know why. Because the place that they're going to to get fed the place that they're going to for truth the church is actually the place that is keeping them captive and most don't know it most don't see it most can't understand this and with everything in me i have to make this truth known and i listen i know that this is what i'm called to do because i know for a fact Because I have 
been there and this has happened for me. This is the type of truth that's going to set you free. This is the beginning for those who will hearken and listen. This is the beginning of the untangling from the lies of deception that the God of this world, who I want to remind you that he has a name, has blinded people to. I am so broken because the traditions of men have created a stronghold for deception to lie in people's minds and hearts and people can't come out of it because the traditions have totally replaced the truth. The lies are big and the deception is strong and we have to come out of it now before the delusion gets stronger. You have to love the truth more than you want to stay comfortable in the lies. And that's going to cost you something. Many people are not ready to count that cost and make that sacrifice. And it's going to cost them eternity. We're told to count the cost, y'all. We're told that someone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. And listen, this path is narrow. And the actual truth is something that is not easy to find. It is something that the world cannot reveal to you. You have to have the power of the whole, the spirit of Yahuwah, his spirit, his neshema, his ruach is what teaches you. The word tells us that it's his spirit that brings you understanding. That's why Yahusha had to die. And so that we could receive that spirit, the, that spirit is what writes the new covenant on our hearts. The new covenant is that he'll write his laws on our hearts and in our minds because if this, because we can't do it without the spirit. But the, you know what the good news is through the power of his spirit, who was able to bring you into an understanding of the truth and reveal these things to you. He's greater than the God of this world and the God that has the power to deliver you from the deception has a beautiful and mighty name. And that name is Yahuwah. And that is the name I encourage you to call on, you know, and, and we're going to talk about Yahusha's name in the next episode, but understand that what you're saying when you call, when you, when you pray in Yahusha's name, what you're saying is Yahuwah is our deliverer because you have to have the faith of the testimony of what our Messiah did that's required to enter into the new covenant. The new covenant is about faith in our Messiah and what Yahuwah sent him to do. And it's also about keeping the commands because guess what? That's what the new covenant's all about. He writes his commands on our hearts. So as we grow and, and get, as we become more sanctified and become to understand how to be led by the spirit and we we and we choose to allow the spirit to burn our flesh out and crucify ourselves to the things of this world so that we can walk in the spirit and be led by the spirit you begin to it it, it just it, how do you explain it to people it just changes you there is so much I, I need to talk to you all about. And 
I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up though. Most importantly, I just be in prayer about this episode. Ask the father to reveal these things to you. This is a must. You have to pray for wisdom and understanding. You have to pray for him to teach you these things and he will do it for you if you genuinely want him to. I can't explain how important it is that you, that we are praying for our spiritual growth and maturity and sanctification. This is the best journey we could ever go on. It is going to take us all eternity to praise him. The least that we could do is seek him with all of our hearts. Because we have eternal rest to look forward to. We have to be seeking him. We need to repent. We have to repent. I'm going to say, I, I keep saying it, but <clears throat> the times that we're living in are wicked and evil. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. For some reason, I'm just like kind of drained and um, I don't really have any, anything else to say. I don't even know how to wrap this up. So I'm just going to end it in prayer. Um, Father, thank you for this podcast. Thank you for this platform. Thank you for this microphone. I, I, I don't have fancy words for you. I don't, I don't have anything for you except brokenness and all I have is a desire and a plea for repentance on your people father you say that it is not in your will that anybody perishes and for all to come to repentance and I pray for that I pray for repentance in people's hearts I pray that you stir people with conviction I pray that you guard their heart from the spirit of offense and pride. I pray that you guard him from all the flaming darts of the evil one to protect them, protect their minds and their bodies. I pray that what you're doing is creating laborers to send into your harvest. Your word tells us to pray for that. And I pray for that. Father, I pray that this podcast episode is is fulfilling that part of your instructions. I pray for your people. I just, I know the love you have for your people. And I just pray for us all to have a desire and a conviction to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, I just pray that whether this seed is one that has been planted or if I'm watering somebody else's seed, I know that your word says that all I can do is plant or water the seeds and only you can give the growth. And I trust and believe that by asking you to give the growth in people's hearts for this podcast episode, that you will do it. I have faith that you are creating your end time soldiers. I have faith and I believe that you are raising your remnant up right now. And I pray for everybody listening to this podcast and everybody that I'm connected with on social media I pray that you're doing that for them. I love you, Father. You are our mighty deliverer. 
And I thank you for sending our Messiah to die a death that we deserve to die. I'm thankful that you gave us your spirit to bring us into understanding and to sanctify us. And that's a gift. And I pray that because of this gift, it creates a deeper love in people's hearts to seek you with all of their heart. You're all that we have and you're all that we need. And we love you. And I ask this in Yusha's name. Amen. All right, guys. I love you all. And I will see you next time.